0: There's a question that I've heard many times throughout my adult life, and maybe you've heard this one too. If your home was on fire, I hope that never happens, but if your home was on fire, you knew your family or your pets, whoever is there in the building, they were out, they're safe. What would you save next? Any ideas? What is more important in your home to you than anything else? I have the results from a couple of surveys and the top items that people say they would save. I'll share those findings with you coming up next.
1: Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond
0: Hello, welcome once again to The Inner Life. So glad to be here with you and share this hour Dedicated to spiritual direction, to growing in our spiritual lives here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. So, if your home is on fire, family and pets are all safe, what do you go back in to save? All your other possessions of any of them that can be lost in the flames, the one thing you want to save, what do you grab first? So, I've got two different surveys that were done by two different insurance groups in the UK, and they asked this question. I don't know why Great Britain is the one who is so associated <laughs> with this, but they've uh, one of the surveys was done by the Automobile Association, and that was from 2019. The other done by the Association of British Insurers, and that was done in 2021, so both just within the last few years. The top choice... Number one choice of what people want to save is it's going to be credit cards, money, a phone, or a laptop. And it makes sense if you know you have the potential here to be temporarily homeless because of a fire, you want the ability to pay for a hotel room, purchase toiletries, new clothing, food, the essentials. So if you have your wallet or your purse, if you have your phone or your laptop, whatever that you use for that that sort of thing, uh, to take care of those necessities. What's the next priority? And it was identical in both surveys. The next answer was to grab photo albums. It was about a third of all respondents in both surveys, 33% in one, 35% in the other. After photo albums, it really went down. Um, You know, it was this smattering mostly of items that have a bit of sentimental attachment, a favorite watch uh, or an item of jewelry, maybe a family heirloom, a piece of artwork, those sorts of things. But the photo albums, I remember hearing years ago about photo albums being one of the main things saved if there is a fire. And I don't remember exactly where I heard this, but It was something dealing with the difference in what men and women, married couples, husband and wife, what they would try and save when escaping their home as it was burning. For the men, the husbands, they would go for the practical, the immediate necessity angle. They'd go for their wallet or their keys. For the women, the wives, especially mothers, it was almost universal they wanted to grab those photo albums because you can replace almost all other possessions lost in a fire, but you can't get back those memories that are held in all those pictures in the pages of your photo albums. And even in, though in my family, and I'm sure this is the case in yours now too, so many of our pictures are digital, we still have several of those old photo albums. And our kids, they'll pull them out every once in a while, go back and look at those, those old memories, The younger kids, they'll even look at times before they were born just to get a little bit of insight into our family, their older siblings, uh, their parents, my wife and I, you know, what things were like before they arrived on the scene. There's something special about being able to take that time and reminisce about the past, especially the good times, but we also have a few photos here and there of things that weren't all that great or things that weren't necessarily happy moments For instance, when our oldest daughter, uh, she was probably around seven or eight years old, and she fell while riding her bike. It was right above her eye, that upper outside corner of her eyebrow. That was where she hit the ground. It swelled up this massive goose egg, kind of closed half of her eye from the swelling. There's a picture of, of that, you know, reminding us of that mishap there. But most of the photos are of happy times, good memories. It's easy to get lost. Just lose track of time as you're doing that kind of stroll down memory lane. The church wants to encourage us, as part of God's family, to kind of have that same sort of approach, That take that same sort of stroll down memory lane. That's one of the reasons why we have different things to help us in that regard. We have the liturgical seasons each year. They help us to focus on different aspects of our Lord's life the key moments of our Lord's life. That's why we also meditate on the different mysteries of the rosary. That's why the church has also developed this beautiful tradition called Lexio Divina, praying with the scriptures. And kind of like I was saying, my younger children, looking at pictures of our family before they were born, well, you and I, you know, we weren't able to be there when these events happened, but as sons and daughters of God, We have so many ways that we can look back and try and have a better understanding of Jesus and all the events of his life, and this is what we want to spend this hour of the inner life talking about today here, how we can take this time during the season of Advent and reflect on the Christmas story, and maybe— Approach it with a renewed sense of wonder and awe, maybe some new insights. And I'm very glad to welcome to the program today as our spiritual director, Father Joe Laramie. Father Joe is a Jesuit priest. He is the national director of the Pope's Prayer Network, also uh, previously known as the Apostleship of Prayer. And their website is popesprayerusa.net. You can also get his latest book. It's called Love Him Evermore. That's available through Ave Maria Press. Father Joe, I'm so glad to be able to welcome you to The Inner Life. I believe you were on a few years ago with Chuck Neff, uh, my predecessor here, but um, uh, this is my first opportunity to talk with you and might be uh, the first time a lot of our audiences heard you. Um, maybe before we get into uh, talking about prayer and, you know, meditation here during Advent, can you tell us a little about yourself?
1: Josh, thanks so much. Yes, thrilled to be back on The Inner Life. Uh, Yes, I'm a Jesuit priest. I've been ordained for 11 years. My hometown is beautiful St. Louis, Missouri, uh, also the hometown of Chuck Neff. Got connected with him there uh, years ago. I now live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I travel quite a bit with my ministry, with the Apostleship of Prayer. Um, I give retreats for priests, seminarians, women, young adults, and uh, really just try to focus on that Sacred Heart devotion uniting our hearts with the heart of Jesus, as well as the monthly prayer intentions of the Holy Father, which uh, our Jesuit Pope loves to send us out in prayer and service to the wider world.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Coming in, being ordained as a Jesuit priest, uh, my producer Nick and I were just talking about how, especially for uh, Jesuits, uh, it's quite a long process of discernment and uh, seminary and study before you're ordained. It, that that's been my normal experience with the different Jesuits I've known. Is that the case for you as well?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we have a pretty lengthy formation of uh, about eleven years is uh, pretty standard. That's what it was for me. Um, as part of that we get to do a deep dive into the spirituality of Saint Ignatius Loyola. So we do an eight-day retreat every summer based on. The spiritual exercises, and I've now done the thirty-day silent retreat twice. Uh, we do it once our first year in the order, and then again a few years after ordination. I know what you're thinking. Gosh, this guy should probably be holier than he is, based on all those <laughs> retreats. Uh, no, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking that. No, <laughs>
0: but, I, I, have, um, I have enough of my my issues to work on trying to <laughs> strive for holiness. I'm not going to, yeah, look at anybody else, Father.
1: It is a treasure chest uh, of wisdom and grace that i keep going back to that um yeah really inspired my writing uh for my two books and i um, really happy to share that with our audience today
0: uh, well uh, so glad to have you here with us today uh we want to talk about different aspects of praying, especially want to talk maybe about Lexio Divina here, and that th- those words uh, literally translated divine reading. But before we maybe dive into the specifics of this form of prayer and talk about some of the different, um, maybe the joyful mysteries that we can look at in the rosary, can we spend just a couple minutes talking about prayer in general? Um, there, there are so many different ways that we can pray mental prayer, meditative, contemplative, uh, you know, the Mass, of course, itself being that highest form of prayer that we have in the Church. So there's a lot that we could discuss here, but when we get down to, you know, just mere basics, what's a good starting point in understanding what prayer is?
1: Yes, uh, my gosh, the wisdom of the Church with so many great saints, you know, it's a— what a kind of all-you-can-eat buffet of modes of prayer right um, we might think of uh, saint benedict um, contemplating the psalms the way benedictines uh, really emphasize that prayer with the psalms uh, saint dominic and the rosary that way of you know using the hail mary prayer as a contemplative way of pondering the life of jesus from the perspective of mary saint ignatius loyola certainly loves both of those modes of prayer, the psalms, and uh, the rosary, but he kind of leans into something I'll call uh, Ignatian contemplation, so using our imagination to let the Holy Spirit draw us into that gospel passage in a sense that we're not just spectators, you know, like uh, up in the cheap seats at a football game, but rather, you know, we are participants. This is our story. Um, Certainly, Jesus is the main character, but we have a role to play in life and in prayer.
0: So with Lexio Divina, part of that is reading through that portion of the Bible. And maybe as we look at that and some of that contemplation that's happening there, it's going to be a different approach than what we might do with a Bible study. Both are good, both have their place. But can you help us understand the difference in our approach for entering into prayer while reading Scripture?
1: Sure. Real briefly, I'll say there's three different ways to read scripture. Okay, all good. Um, First way is um, simply getting the basic story. For instance, if you do one of these Bible in a year programs, you know, Father Mike Schmitz and others, wonderful, holy way to uh, engage the scriptures. In a sense, you're moving at a pretty quick pace, right? Mainly, you're getting the key storyline of, let's say, Moses, uh, King David, uh, the prophets, Good way to pray with scripture, just understanding the story. Second way, I'll call it kind of the moral approach where I read scripture and appropriately it's like, okay, what does this passage mean for me? Uh, What is God teaching me? How should I live my life? I might look at the Ten Commandments or the Beatitudes as kind of key passages there. This third way, I'll call it the, the contemplative reading, is... I think really focused on that personal encounter. Um, We might say a heart to heart relationship with Jesus, with Mother Mary. That, yes, I want to read the story. Yes, I want to understand the key message there. But even more deeply, um, really that communion with the Lord to engage Him in a spiritual conversation. Um, For instance, I might walk us through a bit of uh, the visitation. So, Mother Mary uh, celebrating with St. Elizabeth. Uh, their pregnancies, you know, to imagine ourselves drawn in to that holy gathering of these two faithful women. Um, Maybe I want to thank Mother Mary. Uh, Maybe I want to ask Elizabeth, uh, gosh, I want to trust like you. What can you teach me? So I think that personal encounter is really the key to this way of praying with Scripture. Mm. Uh,
0: What are maybe some things that we can do? uh, and, And I'm thinking you know, having a better understanding of even the historical setting of what's happening around that time, you know, it's so easy to approach that and it's so natural for us to have a 21st century American outlook on anything that we're going to approach. There's going to be such a different attitude that you have to you have to just step away from who you are to try and step into that scene there. You know, as you're talking about Mary and Elizabeth, they're in Roman occupied territory. They don't have the freedoms that we have. I mean, there's there's so many things that are going to be so foreign for us. Not, I mean, not just geographically, but just societally. Um, what are some ways that we might be able to kind of Prepare ourselves so that we have that better idea of of what their mindset, what their world outlook might have been, too.
1: Good question. St. Ignatius, of course, founder of the Jesuits, and I'll say that uh, the mind and the heart really work together here. You know, we've got all these Jesuit schools, uh, thanks to all those folks who've paid tuition for yourselves or for your kids or grandkids so in the sense that yes we want to engage the heart but you know yes engaging our minds also fruitful for instance uh catholic religious art can really help us here right so we get the simple image of a christmas card right we see perhaps uh, the holy family gathered there at the manger uh, maybe the shepherds adoring the newborn king you know these artists they have to do the same thing right they don't have a photograph of uh, the birth of jesus to work with you know they're reading scripture they're praying uh, they pull out the paintbrush or the the chisel to make a sculpture for instance if you got a good catholic bible there's footnotes at the bottom so at the bottom of the page it's kind of the fine print maybe we often skip past that which is okay but often enough you know a good catholic bible it gives you a little sense of that historical context Um, It might give you a translation of a word that was, of course, originally written in maybe Hebrew or Greek, but to kind of unpack that meaning a bit. um, Again, the simple act of praying a rosary, right? We're already thinking about the scriptures. So it's not so much a brand new way of praying or reading the Bible, but rather that deepening and that personal communion.
0: One other thing before we jump into some of the different readings or some of the different aspects of the Christmas story here which I, I'd like to get into with you but um, especially Alexio Divina, there's four steps or four stages that are involved here and um, it might be good to just walk through those so that we have kind of an understanding of that process. Uh, can you kind of help open that up for us, Father?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there is, there is kind of a method to it, um, and you know, a little uh, preface to all this, it, again, it is engaging our imaginations. Um, in a sense, sometimes little kiddos are better at this than adults, right? Okay, they're using their imagination all the time uh, to, for play, for, uh, you know, joy, maybe creative writing in a class. But again, we as adults, we do this too, right? Okay, an engineer has to think about, okay, we're gonna build a bridge, what's it gonna look like? Uh, Where will it go? What shape will it have? Even something as simple as like, gosh, I wanna put a garden in my backyard. Well, where should we put it? Do we want flowers, tomatoes, something else? So it's not just this kind of like fairy tale that's detached from reality, but is rooted in our own experience and, story of the bible so first very simply read the passage um saint ignatius refers to this as the history you know for him for us as catholics this is our spiritual history these are real living people flesh and blood um you know it's not like star wars uh what long time ago in a galaxy far far away no this is A real place, uh, Nazareth, Bethlehem. These are concrete realities. So first, simply reading the passage. Um, Then, yes, to compose the place, as St. Ignatius says. Okay, to kind of imagine, okay, where are we at here? Um, We're in the Middle East. Um, My gosh, what's the weather like there? Maybe some folks have been on a pilgrimage, got to see the Holy Land. Um, I have not myself, I hope to go someday. But okay, this is basically a a dry desert region. Um, Yes, parts of it have rivers, have uh, pastures with uh, growth from the earth. But you know, by and large, okay, a sort of dry, deserted place. Um, Then maybe I start to focus on the people. So I'm composing the place, also the people. Okay, who's there? Um, the passage I'll have us look at is simply Mary and Elizabeth. Okay, these two women, the Bible tells us in Luke's Gospel that they are uh, relatives. It doesn't totally flesh out that relationship. Um, are they cousins? Perhaps Elizabeth is the aunt, uh, Mary is the niece. You know, it's not that essential of a detail, but you know, we can maybe start to ponder okay, these two women. Um, Also to look at their faces. Um, What are the expressions on their faces as we look at this scene? Um, More deeply, their heartbeats underneath. You know, what is uh, the movement of their hearts that then enlivens that expression on their face? Um, Joy, wonder, um, maybe a kind of holy confusion, like, oh my gosh, what is God calling us to? Let's celebrate this and let's talk to each other um, to uh, share our experience. So I'm looking at the history, reading the story. I'm composing the place. Third, I'm looking at the people. Fourth, I'm looking at my own heart. Okay, so yes, I'm the one reading this story. I'm the one engaging in prayer here. What are the movements of my own heart? Uh, Maybe it's joy and wonder. Um, You know, if I'm honest, maybe it's a touch of fear, right? Like, oh, my gosh, God is calling these women to holy things. Also challenging, my gosh, what does God have in store for me? Um, So to acknowledge that, to notice it, and then to bring that into my prayer. Okay, Lord, right now I'm feeling these things, and I want to offer this to you.
0: Mm. Uh, Father, let's pause right there. We need to take a short break, but let's pick up right after the break, um a, a, as we look at how we then take what we've been reading what we've been meditating upon how we do pray and bring that back to god in our own words again talking about how we can enter more deeply into those moments of prayer those reflective moments here during this season of Advent, looking at the Christmas story, all the events leading up to the birth of Christ, and speaking with our spiritual director today, Father Joe Laramie. He's a Jesuit priest, the national director of the Pope's Prayer Network, and you're welcome to call in and join the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's our phone number here in the studio, 888-914-9149. How has praying through the scriptures like Father Joe is talking about, how has that helped you to know and to love God better? Uh, maybe you have a question about this form of praying through Lexio Divina, through this contem- contemplative type of prayer. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Joe, 888-914-9149. Back in just a moment, you're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com gregory. That's relevantradio.com gregory. I love this song. I love this version of this song too. Welcome back to the Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, joined today by Father Joe Laramie. He is Jesuit priest, the national director of the Pope's Prayer Network. You might also know it as the Apostleship of Prayer. Their uh, website: Pope'sPrayerUSA.net. Today, talking about how we can enter into this Advent season, have a deeper understanding of the events happening leading up to the birth of Christ, how we can incorporate those into our time of prayer. Uh, we've been talking about the prayer, uh, the, the concept, the practice of Lectio Divina, how we can pray with the scriptures. And again, want to open up the phones for your call if you'd like to join the conversation here, 888-914-9149. What are some ways that in your prayer life you've been able to experience that anticipation? You've been able to meditate upon the events that lead up to the birth of Christ. Uh, We'd love to hear how God has worked in your life, how he's allowed you to get to know him, in a deeper, a better way. Again, our phone number 888-914-9149. So Father, you kind of walked us through the two opening aspects of Lectio Divina. We've got the meditating part. I'm sorry, the reading. There's there's the reading part first. (laughs) Got to read before we're meditating. (laughs) Got to have something (laughs) to meditate upon. Uh, So we read first. You were talking about how we can meditate. We can place ourselves in that scene, and you were kind of walking us through uh, briefly that setting of where Mary, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and there's so many different things. You know, even as you were talking about that, you were, you were saying, you know, what's the relationship there? Um, I was thinking, gosh, you know, what would have been the last time they saw each other? You know, was it at? Mm-hmm. I, I know for our family, we mainly get together for there's weddings or there there's funerals for the extended family that we have. So, you know, was that one of the last times that they would have seen each other? What was the relationship? You know, is there the just that anticipation the whole time that Mary is traveling? Did she send word ahead to Elizabeth, or does is it just I'm going to surprise Elizabeth out of the blue? So there's so many different things that we can kind of just sit in and. Contemplate that we can we can you know let our curiosity kind of fill in some of those those holes there, and then we come to the third aspect of Lexio Divina, that Oratio, that time where we pray or we respond.
1: Absolutely, Uh, again I'll go back to the visitation story. Um, You know we might imagine let's say these these two holy women. You know, for a moment, just maybe sitting down, having a cup of tea together, you know, through the centuries. This is a common way folks just share conversation and relationship together. Well, Ignatius says, uh, here's a quote. I will make myself a poor, unworthy servant, gazing at these holy figures, contemplating them and serving them just as if I were there. In this sense, Ignatius maybe reminds us that uh, Catholicism is a contact sport. It is not a spectator sport. So we are drawn in. So perhaps in a friendly moment, Mother Mary invites me to join them at the table. Now again, they are clearly the main figures here, but I'm invited to speak to them. uh, Words of gratitude, words of love. And they may have a word of encouragement to share with me, you know, as we might call upon the saints in prayer. Well, right here, here's two holy saints, right? Mother Mary, uh, the mother of God and her relative. Perhaps they encourage me to trust in the Lord more fully. Um, Perhaps they give me a word of hope that God has good things in store for me. Yes, perhaps challenging, perhaps uh, a note of danger in that in that call of the Lord. So, in a sense, that this heart to heart relationship just continues to deepen. You know, I reflect on their hearts, uh, the movements within them. I reflect on my own heart. I share that with them. I could even speak with the unborn child Jesus in the womb of Mary, right? We see moms doing this all the time, uh, speaking words of love to their little babies even before they see their faces well maybe i want to do this in prayer uh in this scene as well
0: so then when we when we look at this you know as i'm thinking about that time where we look at how god might be speaking to us how we would respond to this that that might be you know if if all life is pretty you know calm and normal then it's okay sometimes there can be those worrisome moments of life or you know maybe we're going through something very serious you know maybe we have a, a spouse or a child dealing with an illness or there's something extremely difficult happening in our work environment when those kind of moments kind of are obsessing our minds and we're trying to just take this time to reflect and pray but those are still so present how do those kind of, tie into this time where we are responding to what God might be saying to us?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I think of one of the lines from the Mass. So the priest, I invite the congregation to lift up your hearts, and everybody responds, we lift them up to the Lord. Well, the image there is something like, okay, we are placing our hearts on this altar uh, next to the bread and wine, and... I think the Lord wants us to bring uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, okay, to bring our whole selves, offer our whole hearts there. Um, Maybe there's parts of my heart that need healing, and I want to bring that into prayer in conversation with uh, Mary, Elizabeth, the child Jesus. Um, Maybe there is great joy that I want to celebrate and thank them for. Um, Maybe there's confusion, worry, Uh, yeah, a friend or relative who's really suffering that, I want their intercession. I want their support at that moment. So there is a kind of earthy, again, kind of Catholic element to this. Of okay, we bring our whole selves to prayer and uh, trust in the Lord's goodness.
0: Mm. So then there's the fourth part of Lexio Divina, and that's where we're in that contemplation. Uh, one of the other words I've I've heard associated with this is we kind of rest in what we have been meditating about, what we've been thinking and praying and responding to God there, we rest in that. Can you explain how that happens? What's the difference between maybe the the meditative, the kind of entering in, and how we now enter into a time of resting in this? Mm-hmm.
1: Again, certainly we do want to bring our hearts, uh, speak to these holy figures. Um, and a hard part for me is then i need to be quiet and listen uh i'm a jesuit right i love to talk um you know i've had these great experiences now for some folks that's the easy part actually like you know that quiet listening um yeah resting in that relationship with mary and elizabeth uh and their two unborn babies in this little scene um you know just to behold their presence again maybe quiet gratitude um To open my ears, open my heart. Is there anything they want to offer to me? Um, You know, I'll take a peek at uh, the passage here. Elizabeth simply says, uh, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Maybe I'm just, again, moved by gratitude to Mother Mary, um, the Father's goodness to her, calling her to this uh, amazing vocation. So it it does, I think, conclude in that quiet rest. in prayer that you mentioned
0: Uh, this is one of those stories that we get to hear every single year you know some other places in scripture there might be stories where we're not as familiar you know some of the old testament stories that we can encounter maybe in the acts of the apostles Um, but every single year we have this opportunity where we really kind of dive in with uh, both Advent and Lent, these two key parts of our Lord's life, you know, leading up to his birth and then leading up to his passion and crucifixion. And one of the, the things that I think can happen is we hear this story again and again and again and again, and especially if we've grown up in a Christian, a Catholic house, every year of our life, the older and older we get, we hear this again and again. When we come to a very familiar passage like the Visitation or maybe the Annunciation where the Archangel Gabriel is telling Mary she's going to be the mother of the, the Messiah, maybe it's the, the Nativity itself, you know, we, we're we so familiar with it, we've heard Linus on, on television, <laughs> you know, reciting that passage from St. Luke's Gospel year after year after year growing up. Um, when it's so familiar, if there's something that doesn't necessarily stand out to me, you know, there's nothing that really grabs me that I feel like, oh, th- this is where God's speaking to me here— Any suggestions on how we can approach these very familiar passages, these very familiar scriptures, and maybe kind of approach them with new eyes, new insight, something that brings a little bit more life to it again for us?
1: Absolutely. Again, I'll say that our heads and our hearts uh, do work together in, in the Lord's wisdom. You're right. These can be familiar passages. Um... I'll go back to this visitation uh, section again. Just this first line. During those days, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah. I'll just pause there. Okay, well, I for a moment pondered, okay, where exactly is Judah? (laughs) All right, it's somewhere out there in Israel. Okay, I did a quick Google search. Well, if we presume Mary was in Nazareth previously. This is actually about an 80 mile journey. Um, Judah is kind of a suburb of Jerusalem, um, basically a pretty nice part of town. So Mary isn't just sort of walking across town to visit her cousin, but rather an 80 mile journey. You know, Mary has time herself to kind of let this excitement build, um, maybe to anticipate this conversation Uh, with her relative, we might ponder Mother Mary in prayer as she is on this journey. You know, maybe she's walking with uh, a group of other people. This would be a a pretty familiar and common journey, you know, more or less from Nazareth to Jerusalem and then just a little side jaunt um, out to this town of Judah. Um, You know, again, if we do actually like peek at the scriptures, I think often enough there will be a little word or image that'll grab us, um, you know, this is beauty ever ancient, ever new, which is the gospel.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's, you know, there have been some of those moments, and I think the older I get, the more I, I, maybe it's, you know, it's just God's grace allowing me to see that there are these, these, these different little nuggets that kind of stand out in Scripture, you know, things that maybe I've read 20, 30, 40-plus times, but then it ends up becoming, oh, I never noticed that one word or that one phrase, and it really does kind of pop when when you come across it again. Um, it, it, w- the other question I guess I have here, too, what if I I have the best of intentions I'm only able to make it through a first couple of steps as I'm going through this process of Lexio Divina. I'm interrupted. I'm not able to continue till later. Is that something where, okay, do I kind of start back at the beginning? Am I able to resume where I left off? Uh, you know, hopefully that's not the case, but, you know, family life and different demands in our, our, our schedules, you know, that'll happen from time to time. Any suggestions on that front?
1: Good question. Yep, interruption is part of life Uh, for many of us. um, uh, You know, I'm a priest, I love the priesthood, and I'm dealing with phone calls, emails, travel schedules, and so on. Um, Young parents, uh, your life is just a series of interruptions interrupted by other interruptions. Uh, For example, I'm reading a little uh, set of short stories by uh, Tolkien right now that I grabbed in our uh, library here. Great short stories by Tolkien. Um, you know, I read a few pages, I set it down, I do something else. You know, sometimes I'll just back up a little bit, like, okay, let me just reread that previous paragraph. Okay, now I remember. Uh, here's where we're at, and I can keep going. So in prayer, you know, you might just back up a half step. You know, maybe you don't need to begin at the beginning, but rather, okay, wait, where was I? Oh, yeah, I was in this friendly conversation with Mary and Elizabeth. Okay, I want to revisit that. If I had a journal, I jotted down a few things, I could maybe just peek at, okay, what was the last thing that happened? Um, Again, the Lord knows us, loves us. Um, Even something like the rosary is kind of made to be broken up into smaller sections, right? Right. So you've got the joyful mysteries, but there's five of those. Okay, I can maybe pause between each one. Um, Even sort of pause between each Hail Mary, again, or if an interruption happens, I can easily, uh, start where I left off. Mm.
0: Is Lexio Divina something where you think it's best done as personal kind of private prayer time, or do you think this is something that parents could do with their children? Is this something where if you're part of a group at your church, you might, you know, take this approach, uh, you know, try it as a time of prayer as more of a corporate setting?
1: Yeah, I've done it in all those settings. Um, You know i've done it by myself uh i've had uh folks i've guided on retreat through spiritual direction that i've kind of laid it out for them and then they do it on their own and then uh, come back and tell me about it i've done it with high school students um even uh i'm a proud uncle i've done some of this with my young uh, nieces and nephew you know i do think it's fruitful to have some quiet time even in a group where, okay, we're gonna take a few moments in silence right now so we can each engage the Lord in prayer. And then can be fruitful, yeah, let's share some graces. Um, In a small group, even in a family, you know, uh, spouses could do this by taking some time in quiet and then sharing some graces, like, oh my gosh, this is what grabbed me, Um, you know, I've never thought about Elizabeth in this particular way before. And that's since we share the graces that we all receive Um, even if they're given to us personally.
0: Talking with Father Joe Laramie today here on The Inner Life. He is the National Director of the Pope's Prayer Network, their website, popesprayerusa.net. Today talking about ways that we can uh, enter deeper into that time of prayer and encounter our Lord during the season of Advent, how we can meditate upon those different events leading up to the birth of Christ. And if you have a question you'd like to ask Father Joe, you're welcome to call in 888-914-9149. We'd also love to hear how you have been able to encounter Christ. What prayer practices have helped you during your Advent journey? Uh, 888-914-9149. More to come in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio's line, is hiring today. Several positions available throughout the US. Visit relevantradio.com/forester to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF, an Illinois life insurance society not licensed in all states. Silent night, holy night. All is bright Round yon
1: virgin Mother and child
0: Holy infant So tender Welcome back to the Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and thanks for making this hour a part of your day uh, always appreciate you listening, being a part of the program here. If you'd like to call in and join the program today, a phone number 888-914-9149. As we're talking with Father Joe Laramie, he's a Jesuit priest, the National Director of the Pope's Prayer Network. And uh, you can also get his latest book. It's called Love Him Evermore. That's available through Ave Maria Press. Uh, Father, if people want to learn more about you, if uh, they're interested in following up, learning more about what you do, what's the best way to come? contact you
1: yeah i've got my own little website with permission from superiors it is simply joe laramysj.com you can find me on social media at the same at joe also on social media pope's prayer network uh you can find us at pope's prayer usa on uh, instagram facebook and so on and um so honored to share this outreach and um, really enjoying our conversation today. Well,
0: I'm so glad to have you here on the program today. And uh, we are getting towards the end of the hour here. But as, as we talk about some of the different aspects of praying, of entering into the season of Advent, you know, uh, you, you mentioned the rosary um, just right before the break. In being able to pray that, Lexio Divina itself, you know, that is where you're able to have that quiet time, that contemplative, you know, aspect of prayer that's happening there. We also meditate on the different mysteries of the Rosary, of course, you know, as we're here in the season of Advent. Most specifically, we'd think of the Joyful Mysteries: the Annunciation, the Visitation, the Nativity, the Presentation, um, and then even, of course, the the uh, Finding of Jesus in the Temple when he's twelve years old. But when you're meditating in the Rosary, you're also actively praying. The Our Father, the Ten Hail Marys, the Glory Be, you know, very traditionally now the the, the Fatima prayer at the end of each decade. Um, but especially if you're praying in a group where there's that vocal prayer that's happening, how do you balance the meditative part of what's happening in those mysteries as we want to reflect on those events leading up to the birth of Christ while still participating in that vocal prayer? You know, you... you it, I know when I first started praying the rosary, it was a very difficult kind of concept for me to get used to.
1: And this is part of the beauty and wisdom of the Church, is there's not just one mode of prayer, and even these prayers get kind of overlaid. Um, You know, so I'm praying a Hail Mary while contemplating a Gospel scene. Um, You know, the Mass itself, right? There's sort of multiple types of prayer built into the Mass. Um, We're hearing the readings— There's time and quiet. We all pray the Our Father together. Um, You know, I'd say if if you get distracted, just kind of, what? Just go back to, okay, what are we focusing on right now? Okay, that mystery. Again, I'll just go back to the visitation. Okay, Mary and Elizabeth in conversation and celebration. You know, maybe I get drawn into that scene. Um, Maybe even there's some little aspect that I focus on. Um, Maybe just the youthfulness of Mary's face there. Um, You know, she's engaged to be married. She's a young woman. Um, You know, she's not uh, this old wise figure, but rather this very young, fresh-faced girl almost. Maybe I see her youth, uh, her hope. Maybe I'm drawn into that myself. And briefly, sometimes we get distracted, right? That can happen. Even now and then, what, little quirky things can pop up in prayer. For example, let's say I'm praying uh, with Jesus and the disciples later in the Gospels. And, you know, maybe I sort of, for a split second, feel like one of the disciples is telling me, you know what, Father Joe, for you, uh, it's okay to steal. Stealing is okay for you. Initially, I might say, my gosh, this is going to make my fundraising so much easier. Um, You know, I can just break into a bank instead of trying to reach out to people. But then maybe I hit the brakes, okay, wait a minute, well that doesn't sound right. Um, Clearly the commandments say that stealing is wrong. You know, maybe I simply just look at the passage again. Maybe it's the Beatitudes, okay, you know, I kind of drove off into the ditch for a moment there, but I'll just kind of, you know, back up, get back on the road, look at the passage, and then trust the Lord's going to keep guiding me.
0: again pretty short on time here but another question that comes to my mind is what about some of those uh those parts of Bi- the bible where we want to pray but they might just seem rather dry you know the the visitation that's a very narrative driven kind of story the first chapter of st matthew's gospel it's this genealogy how do you take something like that and bring that into that kind of contemplative prayer
1: Hmm. Using our imagination, I think it tends to work best with, yeah, the more action-oriented passages. But to briefly peek at that genealogy, um, okay, there's a whole series of names there, right? And sometimes this gets read at Christmas, and you can, (laughs) as the priest, you can see people kind of like, okay, all right, what do we got? Another 15, 20 names to go. Also, these are dramatic figures, right? Okay, to pick one. David became the father of Solomon whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. Okay, that's a reference to a very complex scene, right? David covets Uriah, brings her into his home. They have a child together um, so that, okay, this story of Jesus is complex, right? Um, his history is, yes, some holy people, and yes, some sinners. Um, that's probably true for me, right? I might think of my grandfather, this man of great faith. Um, I also know that a couple of my great uncles uh, were running moonshine uh, during the Depression.
0: (laughs) No, that's such a great point, you know, that God can bring such good out of even what would appear to be scandal what would you know oh that that's that's the skeleton in the closet nobody wants to talk about there um also just the fact that these are real people you know these are people god worked in uh father we are completely out of time i've really enjoyed our conversation and hope to be able to talk with you again in the future we've got about 30 seconds could i ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners as we conclude today
1: let us pray God our Father, in this season of Advent, draw us ever closer to the heart of your Son as we honor the heart of Mother Mary for her depth of faith. Keep us close to the Holy Family. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. All right. Thanks so much, Father Joe Laramie, for being with us here today. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And again, if you would like to learn more about the Pope's Prayer Network, where Father Joe Laramie is the national director, go to popesprayerusa.net. Stay tuned. Mass starts right now here on Relevant Radio.